You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with the frightening results of a rapid and unexpected change in the weather that put a lot of East Adams Lake residents in danger. The wind shifted in a way that no one predicted, pushing the wildfire dangerously close to homes and forcing evacuation orders. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, BC wildfire officials are defending the way they make those calls. Right to the water's edge. The fire burning on the east side of Adams Lake took a dangerous turn Wednesday night. Dozens of homes surrounded by flames. Yesterday when this firestorm hit, it was incredible and it was just too quick. So there wasn't enough manpower to come and take everybody. So we had to make our own decisions when to go. Some people who were forced out, highly critical of the tactics BC Wildfire Service using to fight this fire. We've been... Uh trying to get people's attention for weeks now, and especially in the last couple of days, we kind of foresaw this happening. BC Wildfire on the defensive Thursday afternoon, saying the activity Wednesday due to an isolated localized wind event that caught fire behavior experts off guard, saying crews were scrambled as quickly as possible from the Bush Creek fire to the east side of Adams Lake. This is a, a worst case in terms of fire behavior coming down right close to a community and to the properties. However, um, we were successful in structure defense and structure protection. No structures were lost. Fires from the Kootenays to the coast have crews responding to dangerous, often unpredictable conditions. High winds proving challenging for crews on the Horse Thief Complex near Invermere. Highway 3 between Asoyus and Karameas closed for parts of the afternoon as crews conducted planned ignitions to remove fuel sources. According to BC Wildfire Service, crews experienced a relatively calm day Wednesday on the Downton Lake fire, but the situation remains highly volatile. Crews working to steer flames away from structures. Some progress was made, but not enough for the regional district to confirm the number of properties destroyed, continuing to say five have been affected. The conditions still too unstable to get a handle on the situation. Uh, my understanding is there is uh, some primary structures and uh, quite a few uh, secondary structures as well, like outbuildings and sheds and that sort of thing. Fires continue to pop up around BC. Five new blazes discovered Thursday and a hot, dry weekend bringing the risk of more to come. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Yep, Steph Florian joins us now with more on the wildfire risk across the province. Aaron mentioned it there. These rising temperatures really are a big factor. We are expecting the southern interior region to be into the mid-30s for the weekend. We're already in that high to extreme zone for the southern half of the province. And we do have the potential of seeing some dry lightning push in Friday, even further into the weekend. And our temperatures are going to continue to stay hot and dry. So it will be into the weekend that we could see the potential of some thunderstorm and dry lightning, which could more fires. More details coming on the full forecast. Back All right, we'll check in then. Thanks, Steph. Renewed calls for action tonight to prevent a potentially catastrophic in Stanley Park. As Kristen Robinson reports, concern is being sparked by both Mother Nature and humans. Combined with the heat, drought conditions, and dead trees in Stanley Park are fueling fears Vancouver's crown jewel could go up in flames. I'm really hoping it doesn't happen because it is really a, very iconic. You know, and if we lose the park, it's going to be an extreme loss. This is a beautiful place and uh, it's an attraction to your city. So uh, if this is gone, 
What else do you have left? Firefighters educating the public at Second Beach on the extreme risk and the importance of preventing fires. There is actually a lot of material on the forest floor. So there's a lot of potential for a fire to start and you know, potentially get larger than uh, anticipated. And we, we really don't want that to happen. One North Vancouver resident even writing the park board questioning its plan to adequately address the imminent risks to Stanley Park. What is needed from this park board is concrete action to remove the huge number of dead trees that are an enormous fire hazard. His concerns are shared by us as well. Uh, we obviously want to address those trees and we are already starting to do that. When are those dead trees going to be removed? They've already started. We, we've had crews in there working hard on, on removing the trees that are say near the roadways or potential risk to public. The hemlock looper moth has been devouring the tree species. 20% of the park is impacted, according to the park board, which is developing a long-term plan, including fire mitigation. For now, there are increased patrols and water cannons deployed to douse the forest in high-use areas. The risk intensified by a possible arsonist at work. This Bible burned at Sunset Beach early Thursday. I don't understand the purpose of burning something there anyway, but to do it here is truly stunningly stupid. The VPD also investigating two suspicious fires in the park Wednesday, including one near Second Beach parking lot. I could see a man from the waist down. He was bending really down. I could just see his jeans and I could see smoke around him and I could smell it. So I ran out dialing 911. Losing it to a large fire would be devastating. Stanley Park is one of the crown jewels in the city of Vancouver and we want to make sure that it's around forever. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And while the fire risk is high, the ongoing hot, dry weather continues to threaten the region's reservoirs. So starting tomorrow, the Vancouver Park Board is bringing in new measures to limit its water use. They will be shutting off aesthetic water features, including ponds and fountains. Grassy areas such as park lawns will no longer be watered, while golf courses and playing fields will see their watering reduced. The measures are in line with the restrictions announced last week by the Metro Vancouver Regional District. We are learning more tonight about a camping trip that ended in tragedy last weekend. A three-year-old child was killed when a log somehow shifted at an Okanagan Lake campsite. Cassidy Moscone spoke with a family friend who tried to save the boy's life and now is doing what she can to help support the grieving family. Here we go guys, let me follow you. Let's, let's go. Cash Backer enjoying a summer vacation with family and friends just days before his little life tragically ended. He was one of the sweetest little boys I've ever met. And I um, feel very lucky that I got to know him. It was first reported a tree fell on the three-year-old, but family friend Ravine says little Cash suddenly became crushed under a large log when it shifted at Okanagan Lake campground on Saturday. We just heard the screams of horror. Ravine's a nurse and did all she could to try and save him until paramedics arrived. There's just too many memories and it still feels very surreal, but... There's just a lot of reminders of what happened still in my body and it's still very fresh and 
horrifying. Now, Ravine's focusing all her energy into helping Cash's family, a GoFundMe page set up to support them through their darkest time. The dad is the sole provider for the family, for their four boys, so we want to try and keep Keith home as long as possible so he doesn't have to work, so he can be with his boys, have all funeral expenses covered, they should not be paying a cent for it, and just trying to help them get back on their feet. BC Parks told Global News assessments are done every year to identify and manage dangerous trees in all its parks. Exactly how this tragedy unfolded is still under investigation. We'll never forget Cash. We'll remember him forever and so much of what we will do in the future will be for him and in his memory. Cassidy Mosconi, Global News. BC's police watchdog has cleared officers of wrongdoing in the shooting death of a North Vancouver resident. RCMP were initially called to a co-op housing complex in November of last year for reports of a person who had entered a number of units and was threatening people with a knife. 27-year-old Danny Cooper, who was experiencing a mental health crisis, had stabbed themselves several times and refused orders to drop the weapon. The IIO says Cooper began approaching officers and when a conducted energy weapon failed to stop Cooper, two shots were fired. The family says at 5 feet 2 inches tall and 110 pounds and armed with a 4-inch paring knife, Cooper was not much of a threat to anyone. So stature is relevant, but when a person has a knife and shows deliberation as this one did, it's not unreasonable to believe that they may be a risk of grievous bodily harm or death to the individual they're approaching. The law specifically says that if somebody's eliciting a threat, that the officer only has to perceive a level of threat. And if they perceive threat, they're authorized to use deadly force. And it's not shoot to wound, it's shoot to kill. The family is calling for improved de-escalation training for police. A Langley Brewery is dealing with some backlash after cancelling an upcoming drag event, saying it was too polarizing. The drag performer says she's devastated by the decision. And as Kamal Kuramali reports, the owner of the brewery is apologizing, saying he wants to do better. For Scarlet Rosé dressing in drag never looked more gorgeous is as natural as taking the stage check one check two booked solid with drag events throughout the summer but there's one she didn't get to do i was pretty gutted to be honest a drag bingo night here at the trading post brewery in langley an event she says was floated for august 18th but the co-founder of the company calling it too polarizing I immediately was like, is that the word we want to use? Because I feel like you use that for things that are more on the negative side. In an interview with Global News, the co-founder of Trading Post Brewing says he's truly sorry for the decision, one that he calls a huge mistake. Trading Post has been a safe space and an ally to the queer community for many years. We didn't want to feel like we needed to host ongoing drag events to continue to be an ally. Co-founder Lance Verhoff didn't say who the event was polarizing to, but says he's received plenty of backlash and hopes to make it up, possibly with more drag events down the road. We're not uh, unopen to it. 
but we just want to make sure that uh, we're coming uh, at events from an authentic place. The brewing company held a drag night in early June, but advocates say this is a reflection of how many businesses approach Pride, saying they support the community, but their actions only sometimes back it up. And when you shut down a drag performance, um, you're again validating an insecurity that there's something wrong with being queer, um, that there's something unnatural about being trans. Scarlett Rose says she accepts the brewery's apology. And I do believe it was a mistake. And wants to work with the company to hold more queer events, knowing that the show... Are we ready to be queer? ...must go on. Kamel Karamali, Global News. Port workers have started voting on a deal that could bring an end once and for all to their long-running labor dispute. Let's bring in our Keith Baldry for more. So, Keith, uh, what is the deal they're voting on? Refresh us, and how likely is it this will pass? You know, the temperature seems to have gone down in this dispute as the picket lines came down. There seems to be a little more optimism that this may indeed pass. We'll know more uh, tomorrow night when the voting finishes. But as a reminder, what's on the table from the federal mediator in terms of wages, a 19.2% wage increase spread over four years. That's 5% plus 5 plus 4 plus 4. That would take the median wage up to $162,000 a year from the current $136,000 a year. Median means as many people earn more than that number as many the same number earned less than that. Also, a $3,000 signing bonus for full-time employees and an 18.5% increase to the retirement payout, bringing it to more than $96,000. Still unresolved, though, Sophie, and who knows what's in regarding this in the mediator's settlement, is the thorny issue of maintenance work and how much contracting out work goes beyond the union and also issues that are related to automation and potential loss to jobs. So that's the numbers in terms of wages. Now, this went back and forth a number of times. What is going to happen if this doesn't pass? You know, we actually know the answer to that because a number of steps the federal government has taken uh, uh, to uh, deal with the possible rejection of this vote. So here's what's going to happen. First of all, no picketing is going to be allowed. That's part of the deal here or any other type of strike action. If the deal is rejected, both sides will have two days to make written submissions to the Canadian Industrial Relations Board, basically the Labour Board. Then that board will likely, if it determines that a negotiated settlement cannot be found, likely to either impose a new collective agreement or to impose binding arbitration process of outstanding issues such as maintenance work, such as automation. So it seems that one way or another, whether it's voted yes or no, that this strike is over in terms of future picketing, and that's good news. All right, thanks for that. With the long weekend fast approaching, ICBC is sharing tips on how road trippers can stay safe. Here's what you need to do. A survey finds 95% of respondents with plans for road trips this summer expect to take four trips of 100 kilometers or more. The top challenge they face, slow-moving vehicles like RVs, distracted drivers, and people speeding. On average, two people are killed and 562 injured in crashes on the BC day-long weekend each year. So ICBC is encouraging drivers to be patient with slower vehicles, stay focused on the road, and of course, leave the phone alone. Protest against BC's gas taxes. Once all the taxes are added up, British Columbians are facing eye-watering bills. A graphic demonstration and push for the province to give drivers a break. Next on the News Hour. From a radio station in Hungary to a bakery in Campbell River, 
how this couple cooked up one heck of a career change, making a lot of friends along the way, coming up on the News Hour. Also tonight, talk about a big move, where Vancouver's iconic Little Yellow Schoolhouse will get its second life later. Right now, though, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation says two B.C. municipalities have the highest gas taxes in Canada. And it's calling on the B.C. government to give everyone a break. Richard Zussman reports. It is an inevitable pain for drivers on the B.C. day-long weekend, filling up at the pumps. I'm not happy about it, but what are you going to do? The Canadian Taxpayers Federation pumping up a familiar message Thursday. British Columbians pay the most gas tax in the country. Nowhere is it higher than in Vancouver and Victoria. People living on smaller incomes still have to drive to school and to work and to the grocery store. And so a bigger portion of their paycheck is going to the government in fuel taxes. On Thursday, many places in Vancouver had gas prices hit over $2 a litre. In Abbotsford, it's nearly $2. Victoria, a little more than $1.90 a litre. And Kamloops, gas prices are at $1.75 a litre. Of the cost, more than 70 cents per litre is tax, including 14.5 cents in provincial taxes, something other jurisdictions have removed to address cost of living increases. BC is out of line with the rest of the country, and we need Premier David Eby to show the same leadership that the governments of Alberta and Ontario have by spending the provincial portions of their gas taxes. So far, BC has been reluctant to put a pause on tax when you pull out the pump. But they say there are other measures currently in place that address the cost of living. BC has outstripped the rest of the, the country for months now uh, on inflation. And a lot of that is heavily uh, tied to the price of fuel at the pump. And so uh, it's no wonder that British Columbians are feeling ever and ever more pinched. The province unavailable for comment Thursday. Gas prices historically higher in the summer. And with the long weekend here, we still haven't seen the peak. With the possibility these pumps could read more than 215 a litre in Vancouver very soon. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The federal government has announced just over $200 million to try to alleviate Metro Vancouver's rental crisis. Pacific Economic Development Minister Harjit Sajjan appeared in Vancouver today announcing developer West Group Properties will get a $208 million low-interest loan to build 422 purpose-built rental units in the River District. The announcement comes two days after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau bluntly said housing isn't a primary federal responsibility. The federal government has actually played a has been playing a role from, from the beginning. Uh, and I mean, just my riding alone of Vancouver South, we've made multiple announcements here. And just back in 2019, I think we were just over there where we made another announcement. So the federal government does, does uh, very, uh, play an important role. We've had made uh, significant investments. The rental units will be spread across three different projects. Sajin will be in West Vancouver tomorrow morning for another housing announcement with the Squamish Nation. Just ahead, more reasons to protect our forests. We're going to see that spike in runoff. The drastic impact of wildfires we might not feel until the fall rain comes. And a different approach to firefighting. Learning what to do when wildfires come knocking at the door.
Traffic is moving well over here at the Botello Bridge for the time being, but keep in mind it is completely shut down tonight for construction, north and south, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. tomorrow. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference when you renew your auto plan online. Select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when prompted, and a donation will be made to Diabetes Canada. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Botello Bridge. It's been a particularly tragic wildfire season with four firefighters across Canada killed on the front lines. And it has been especially exhausting for crews here in BC who've been stretched thin for months. Global's Nithu Garcha has exclusive access beyond the fire lines, fire lines at the Rossmore fire near Kamloops and spoke to crews about the heavy burden they carry. BC crews have a lot to think about under increasingly hot, dry and windy conditions. But what's at the forefront for many here on the front line is the firefighters who've lost their lives this season while doing the same job they are. Crew safety is top of mind for Simone Bermudez, who's cutting down dangerous trees in their way. There is inherent risk, always. Um, we understand that. And when something like this happens, like the, the death, unfortunately, that occurred this year, everybody feels it. You know, a red shirt's a red shirt. You're pushing the limits of what humans can do in this job a lot of the time, whether physically, emotionally or intellectually. Just the amount you have to manage at any given moment, the situations you have to be part of. We're going to be peeling out of here. Aus Al-Mubarak is a task force leader. He says hearing a 25-year-old firefighter was killed battling fires in B.C. over the weekend, the fourth to die in Canada this season, has taken a toll on everyone. Fred being the fourth, it definitely hit us hard. Check we just departed, fire From the air, you can see how the out-of-control Rossmore wildfire about 10 kilometers south of Kamloops has jumped containment lines and moved fast, pushed by changing winds. Our BC crews are spread out far and wide. Former fire investigator Adam Buchanan says there's a lot for crews to keep a close eye on. What are these holes and how does it relate to how long a fire can burn? It burnt all the roots and if we get down, we can see this goes for a long, long way. We can't just spray water on the top and this could still be burning 10, 12, 15 feet down any one of these roots that we're looking at all signs of how dry the fuels are. We have consistently seen busy fire seasons and I think it's it's just getting used to that and knowing what we're, we're getting into each year um, with the climate. It's been a long summer and there's moments where I'm tired and I just want it to be winter again. From what I've seen this week, there isn't a BC firefighter who isn't exhausted. The service has been stretched thin since April. And with August ahead of us, they're urging everyone to do their part to prevent any human-caused fires. Nitu Garcha, Global News, near Kamloops. Hope they stay safe out there. A new training program in Kamloops is providing urban firefighters with the tools to respond when wildfires come dangerously close to homes and other structures. As Julie Nolan reports, safety is the priority for these fire crews from across the continent. I'll give you the scenario so you can do the triage when, when you get up here. But, uh, so, but for now, just do your 360 and assess your home. These firefighters are fully trained when it comes to fighting house fires when they start from the inside. But it's an entirely different battle when the fire approaches from the outside. Interface fires are when you have vegetation impacting structures. And there's different tactics and methodologies that we need to train our, our structural firefighters in to make sure they're most effective when they're doing that. This is so bad. As wildfires become year-round events adversely affecting BC communities, this kind of training is crucial. 
Starting with 10 hours of online training and based on textbooks developed in California, it's reinforced with practical training here in Kamloops with instructors from all across North America. That interface fires are happening on a regular basis in a lot of different areas. And we want to make sure they're as well prepared as we can be. They're all the same. We're getting more and more wildland fires that are impacting the uh, urban interface. Um, it's not just homes, but it's critical infrastructure that keeps us moving. With recent deaths of wildland firefighters this season, determining fire movement and even where crews should or shouldn't go is key. Infrastructure like power lines can become extremely dangerous, so when dealing with wildfires that approach urban areas, hazards are multiplied. Safety for our firefighters is paramount, and safety for our citizens is absolutely critical. And this training absolutely elevates that to another level. This pilot program is being put on by the International Association of Firefighters, partnering with Natural Resources Canada and the city of Kamloops. Okay. The training is also about shifting strategy. One of the key things, though, as we teach, teach them, is that suppression is always the best bet. And if they can suppress the fire, then that's, that's better than trying to defend the homes. Conditions like this this year where we're so dry, especially in this region, the opportunity is there and we need to make sure that we've got the people trained. And as prepared as they can be for the threats that can come at any time. Julie Nolan, Global News. One more water? That's good. Still ahead, new life for an old schoolhouse. It's very uh, empowering and uh, emotional to do as well. What's next for the iconic building after a tricky move across the inlet? And the rule change Canadian doctors want to see in hockey to make it safer for children. for southbound traffic here on Highway 99 through Richmond approaching the Massey Tunnel. And a reminder that later tonight on the Delta side that Highway 99 is closed to southbound traffic at Highway 17 overpass and there's a detour in effect to Ladner Trunk Road instead. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference. When you renew your auto plan online, select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when prompted and a donation will be made to Diabetes Canada. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. A century-old schoolhouse begins its new life on the Squamish Nation's Capilano Reserve today. The yellow building sat on a corner in Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood for decades. It was slated for demolition to make room for a new elementary school. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, there was a last-minute rescue. Ever so slowly, the little yellow schoolhouse is carefully carried on a trailer toward its new home on Squamish Nation's Capilano Reserve. Some tree trimming is needed, and there are a few tight spots. It's very uh, empowering and uh, emotional to do as well. The 111-year-old Henry Hudson building used to sit at Cornwall Avenue and Maple Street in Vancouver, and was going to be demolished. Its journey started Tuesday night. First, the structure was placed on a trailer and loaded onto a barge. Then, during the highest tide of the summer, it was carried under the Lionsgate Bridge to the North Shore. Last night, we offloaded the barge on the North Shore. We had quite a current. We had to offload right at high tide. And of course, that water flowing through underneath the Lionsgate Bridge is moving quite quickly. Uh, but uh, our marine team did a fantastic job and everyone collaborated together for a very quick and safe offload. Squamish Nation is restoring the building. It will be known as the Language Nest. 
a gathering place to help preserve culture. It's with babies and uh, toddlers and really get them immersed into our language and learning our ways of being and uh, right from birth to uh, to, to doing and practicing culture and traditions and ceremony. The move will cost about $150,000, $80,000 coming from the Vancouver School Board, which had allotted that amount for demolition. This repurposed schoolhouse now set to continue on as a place of learning. Is Squamish strong in English, so it's, it's, it's us coming together. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. In health matters tonight, Canada's doctors say more needs to be done to protect, uh, protect children playing hockey from serious injuries. And they're calling for changes to body checking regulations. Right now, Hockey Canada penalizes body checking for male players under the age of 13 and in all female leagues. But the Canadian Pediatric Society says checking should be banned for children under 15 to protect them from concussions. The group cites research that shows concussions account for at least 80% of traumatic brain injuries and injury rates are reduced by half in leagues without checking. Hockey Canada hasn't yet responded directly to the recommendation. Coming up, a Hungarian couple discovers Campbell River. Now I was like, well, we can, we can make it here. This, is, this looks nice. How locals have embraced them and their new coffee shop. But first, how a UBC study linked catastrophic flooding with some forestry practices. Hey, BC, it's time to show your pride. Join the fun and festivities as the Vancouver Pride Parade returns August 6th. Bring your friends and let's reconnect as we celebrate pride in partnership with Global BC. A new study from UBC finds clear-cut logging practices are connected to more frequent and more extreme flooding events. But that's not the only factor. As Kylie Stanton reports, experts say clear-cuts and wildfires are threatening one of BC's best defenses against flooding. Clear-cut logging has long been a contentious issue in BC, often leaving swaths of land barren as environmentalists and some First Nations call for change. But new research out of the University of British Columbia shows there's reason to alter the way the practice is managed. This is the first time ever we've studied the relationship between the cause-effect relationship between clear-cutting and uh, and the flood risk. For example, when only 21% of trees in the watershed were harvested using clear-cut logging, the average flood size increased by 38% in the Deadman River and a staggering 84% in Joe Ross Creek. The forest cover is one of the best natural asset to mitigate against the flood risk. BC's record-breaking wildfire season only compounds the concern. We've currently seen about 1.5 million hectares of forest burned uh, so far. That's equivalent to half the land area of Vancouver Island, where like clear-cutting trees or foliage has been stripped off the landscape, allowing the rains to reach the compromised soil more rapidly, making it difficult to absorb. And experts say... We need to be prepared. The result is we're going to have all these burned watersheds, and we just have to hope, I would say, that we don't get, say, next winter, one of these big atmospheric river events such as we had in 2021. 
While it's important to emphasize extreme events like this one don't happen every year, they highlight the need to take action. We need to think about how we're going to manage our forests uh, down the road. We can't continue to do it the same way we have. While wildfires are more closely linked to climate, there are options when it comes to clear cutting. In a statement, the Ministry of Forests said it is committed to developing and implementing alternatives to clear cutting and any new research, including UBC's paper, that could move the industry forward is welcome. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Well, if we're hoping for no rain, looks like we're on the right train there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the West Kootenai region, we are going to be seeing these continued mid-30 degree temperatures uh, into the weekend for the BC long weekend. And Warfield was the hot spot today at 36.7 degrees, and we are expecting to stay in the mid-30s. Tinder dry conditions were in that extreme zone for the Kootenai region. As for Metro Vancouver, we're looking at a high of 23 degrees tomorrow, and that'll feel closer to 28 with the humidity, and that's 29 inland, closer to 33. So it's going to be a warm one, even though we've got a few clouds in the mix for Metro Vancouver. Uh, Southern Interior is going to be very hot. We've also got Smoky Skies bulletins, so air quality statements in place for many popular places that a lot of people enjoy, uh, especially for the BC Long Weekend. And we also have a severe thunderstorm warning in place for Fort Nelson. So we do have some active weather to the northeastern sections of the province. Going to continue to see that chance of seeing more isolated thunder sh showers as well as some rain. And for the southern half of the province, we are looking at the potential for some dry lightning. So that could be into the Kootenai region as well, and that's with this upper low that's pushing in. We've got fog on the coast for northern BC today, tomorrow, sorry. Uh, Whitehorse potentially seeing some thunderstorm activity, Fort Nelson as well as Fort St. John. And as we head south, you can see it's local smoke and those temperatures into the mid-30s. So very dangerous conditions as far as uh, wildfires go and that potential of igniting more with these uh, potential for the lightning. And for the island, just some fog on the coast for Port Hardy and Tofino. So it's going to be a nice day tomorrow, mostly sunny skies around the lower mainland. We'll heat up on Monday and into Tuesday. We do have a chance of seeing a few showers, which is fantastic. Love this photo. This is our weather window tonight, the central windows weather window sent in by Jerry. And this was taken last night just before 1 a.m. of the Tumblr Ridge storm that rolled in. There you it's go. Like, um, Halloween-ish. It's very moody. Yeah. It's very moody. I don't know if it's a filter, but it's a fantastic photo. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Steph. Cool. You bet. All right, Barry DeLay's in for Squire mm -hmm. tonight. Yeah, I want to talk some soccer. I like what the Whitecaps have done of uh, late. They had a busy week. They landed their second Canadian national teamer in two days. Last night it was Richie Larea. Today, defender Sam Atacubi is on his way back to Vancouver. Two guys that can immediately have an impact on the team. Atacubi was a Whitecap seven years ago, but he's a much better player now, a national team member, and a guy who really improves the talent and depth on the team. All right, thanks, Barry. Also tonight, how a couple from Hungary keeps their Campbell River clients hungry. You guys are trying to do math? We're trying to do math. We're trying to figure out how dominant the Little Mountain Little League team is at the Canadian Championships. You'll get to that later, I'm sure. We'll finish strong with that. Yeah. We'll, Carry on, we'll end with baseball, start with football. Thanks, guys. The uh, Lions did not have to work out much of a sweat last week when they shut out the last place Edmonton Elks 27-0. 
but this will be a good midseason test in Winnipeg tonight against a Blue Bombers team seeking revenge for a 30-6 loss to the Lions earlier this season in Winnipeg. Can BC's number one ranked defense continue to keep the ball out of their end zone? They have held opponents without a touchdown in five of the seven games this season, including against the Blue Bombers. Matthew Betts leads the CFL with 10 sacks, but the Bombers come out firing. They did not let the pressure get to them because Dalton Schoen hauls in a 71-yard touchdown pass from Zach Caleros. And it's uh, first touchdown allowed in three games by the Lions. 7-0 Bombers. And then after BC was stopped on third and short. Next play, Kalaros 57 yards to Kenny Lawler. And the Bombers are torching the Lions defense. 178 yards passing in the first quarter alone. They're in shock. Lions figure, hey, we can go deep too. Dane Evans to uh, going to his receiver, but Demario Houston picked it off. So BC taking some body blows early in this one. 14-1 after one. Second quarter now 17-1. Finally, a little bit of rhythm on offense. Dane Evans to Keon Hatcher for 26 yards, led to a field goal, and it's 17-4 Winnipeg right now, late second quarter. The Whitecaps made another big move today, bringing in yet another member of Canada's national team. After getting Richie Larea yesterday, the Caps have reunited with defender Sam Atacubi, who was a Whitecap from 2013 to 16. Both Larea and Atacubi arrive in town Saturday, so they will not play that League's Cup match tomorrow at BC Place against Mexican side Tigris UANL. Atacubi just played 16 games for the Whitecaps over those four seasons. He came up through the academy and was just 21 when the Whitecaps loaned him out okay. and then eventually cut ties with him. But his career really blossomed in Europe, playing in Norway and Turkey, and he has been a solid fixture with Canada, playing 36 matches for his country, including last year's World Cup. Atakubi, now 28, is signed through 2026. Here is Axel Schuster on his new Canadian national teamers, Atakubi and Larea. The, the biggest vibe that you feel in our market is around the Canadian soccer. And uh, so giving them two famous faces of the Canadian national team, uh, I think, is something that, that attracts a brighter audience. Um, because I think the people that had no connection to soccer in our market yet, the little connection they had probably was around the World Cup and the, Cana the success of the Canadian national team. That's what we've done for the last two years, try to improve... Uh, the team with not with flashy players but with players that are uh, functional to the technical project that we have here and players that can adapt immediately so having two guys that knows MLS very well Richie always played in MLS basically till a month ago and some that played here and they're guys that uh, they can immediately have an impact for the team is really important well, Lionel Messi was at it again last night for Inter-Miami. He has been uh, pretty good in pink, hasn't he? Last night in the League's Cup round of 32 against Orlando, didn't waste any time. His fourth goal in just his third game. How does he get that wide open? That's Lionel Messi. He uh, was looking for more in the first half. Free kick from 30 yards out, but a great save by the Orlando goalkeeper. But Messi just keeps scoring. Joseph Martinez with a beautiful setup for Messi, who scores another fantastic goal. His fifth in three matches. The MLS couldn't have 
asked for a more dream beginning for Messi in uh, his MLS career. 3-1, and they advance to the round of 16 in Leeds Cup. PGA Tour is in North Carolina for the Wyndham Championship final regular season event. Golfers trying to get into the top 70 in the FedEx standings to make it to the playoffs. A lot tougher this year than past years. Surrey's Adam Spenson comfortably in, but looking to get as many points as he can for a long playoff run. Great approach at the sixth. His 15th hole of the day would make that for birdie and a tie for the lead. Then at the seventh, after a great tee shot from the long par three, knocks down another birdie, gets to six under, and then on his finishing hole, the ninth, another dialed-in approach shot. It had been raining earlier in the afternoon, so the green softened up a bit, and Svensson really took advantage, puts that one inside nine feet, and then finishes off a tremendous round. Bogey-free, seven under 63. He is solo second, one shot behind leader uh, Russell Henley. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin, a tough day, three over 73, but he is comfortably in to qualify for the playoffs next week. And baseball today, Jays and Orioles. Toronto looking for a split of their four-game series, but the Orioles are a very good team. Adley Rutschman with a base hit off Jays ace Kevin Gossman scores one. Dalton Varsho, though, does throw out the runner at the plate to limit the damage. So 2-0 Baltimore. Jays finally got something going in the sixth. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will poke a base hit to right. That will plate Kevin Kiermaier to make it 3-1. But newly acquired Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals hasn't had a good year in St. Louis, but he was great today. Strikes out Matt Chapman here with the bases loaded, and the Orioles win it 6-1. to one. They're easily the best team in the American League. Jays are 60-50. They're still in a playoff spot. Eight weeks to go in the season. And at the Canadian Little League Championships in Regina, that little mountain team out of Vancouver, big winner over Alberta, 13-1. So they're 3-0. and And they should win because BC teams, I think, have won like 19 of the last 20 Canadian championships. So we'll keep an eye on that. Pretty good run for mm -hmm. the kids. All right, thanks very much, Barry. Up next, switching to the kitchen. He wrote that. How <laughs> a Hungarian couple started a new life in Campbell River. I didn't want to take credit, but now that's uh... <laughs> Did I deliver it well? It was perfect. Okay. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, more fallout tonight from Adams Lake. As you know, locals and property owners have a lot of questions about the response from BC Wildfire Service. Resources were pulled out, and then the fire got a lot worse. BC Wildfire held a briefing this afternoon, but refused to take any questions. At 11, we'll hear from more residents, as well as the local MLA. Plus, a concerning trend in Prince George. Eight homicides so far this year the most that city has ever seen. Chris. Very curious. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, a couple from Hungary has taken the Campbell River Cafe scene by storm, despite a complete lack of experience running a cafe. Yeah, their choice to move to B.C. and open a bakery was almost entirely random. But as Jay Durant shows us in This is B.C., their path to success has been deliberate. <laughs> Maybe the experimental jazz playing in the background helped. Watching this random YouTube dash cam video convinced a young Hungarian couple that Campbell River was the best place to raise a family. And I was like, 
Well, we can we can make it here. This oh, is no, this okay. looks nice. Oh, they have an ocean. Yeah. Geza Totorashtos used to own a radio station in Hungary. His wife Emesha had a career in business development. They gave it all up to find a better place to raise their kids. Not knowing where to go or what to do until they experienced a popular bakery in Budapest. We tasted Freya croissants back in Budapest and we were like, ooh, like, this is something good, this is something new, this is niche. Freya sent master baker Peter Dorman to Campbell River to coach the couple on their new shop halfway around the world. It took half a year of training to get ready for launch. We had to work a lot, 16, 20 hours a day when we were putting this project together and we were building this coffee shop and the bakery with our own hand. This community has helped them every step of the way. 20 hours before opening day, they were robbed in a break-in. Local businesses offered their own coffee equipment to help out. The show of support was overwhelming. People came over like bringing flowers just to like cheer us up and help us go through that day. So this is what we are really proud of, this honeycomb texture. Freya has been open just over a year now. Sales have been great and there's even talk of opening new locations. I think it's a huge success and uh, we are very, very thankful for the community for, for welcoming us this way. We have more than 40,000 customers. So far we have a lot of regulars. So I think we can say that in general, I'm very, very happy to, to have Freya here. Jay Durant, Global News. The sound of that croissant, perfect. Mm, right. Perfect. If you know someone who has a great story to tell, make sure you email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Road trip to Campbell River in order here. Okay, uh, last word on weather from Steph Florian. Yeah, we've got some clouds in the mix, but it's going to be a hot, dry weekend all the way through Monday. We do have some good news, the chance of some showers rolling in Tuesday evening, so we'll just have to take that, but it's going to be a hot one. Yeah, we are going to hold on to... Great hope. Great hope. <laughs> that those refreshing showers come. Steph, thanks very much. And thank you all for watching. Hope you have a great night. Good night, all. Good night.